We, you, you can say brother and sister if you want to. I do half the time. The other half, I just call you by your name because, well, it's your name. Amen. So, you know, I'm going to call somebody brother, that's fine, but it ain't no disrespect if you don't, okay? So we're going to ask uh, brother Jimmy and sister Stacy to come and just have their way today.
Oh. Just to be able to be in his presence. Yes. I know when I was young in the Lord, and young in this world, I identified mostly with the presence of God that made me that wanted to run. It's <laughs> wide open. The older I get, the more I've learned to appreciate that presence of God that's just a peace. Yes. This makes your soul go, ah. <laughs> well, you can be seated. Except for Nathan, he needs to stand up. He's gonna help me, <laughs> as he always does. Well, now, uh, one service is over. Might be too good, and I'll never get anybody back. Go ahead, there you go. Lord Jesus, we just come to you today, Thank Lord you. God, thanking you for a free country to serve yes. you in, Lord Thank God. You, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your presence Thank and. You. All those that you have healed and the miracles yes. that you have yes. that you have worked in our lives, Lord God, you, every Jesus. one of us. Lord Jesus, we ask that you move upon the prayer list, Lord God, everybody on it. Yes. And Lord Jesus, all those that we don't know about, Lord God, but you do. Yes, now, Lord God, I ask that you take this Thank offering you, to the good of your kingdom and let Thank it be you, used Jesus. for only you, your, your kingdom, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, I pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. Amen. 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 Ever had anyone that I could get a hold of and say, "Hey, can you learn this song?" And now, not only do I have one, I got three. Amen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's an incredible thing. For never, that is a luxury. It really is, and I appreciate all of you. I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I do. God has spoiled me rotten, so I, I'm glad for that. Uh, but I'd ask you today to to listen to the words of this song. When I heard it, it just ate my lunch, mm -hmm. and it did it so bad I had <laughs> yeah. to listen to it about five times. I got something wrong, uh, and then I had to send it to Jimmy. Yeah, and did it to me. He passed <laughs> it along. Yeah, <laughs> uh, can you learn this song? I was originally going to have him play this song. I'm going to teach a lesson on time, but uh, today I've got something different, and once you hear this song and hear what it is that I'm going to preach today... You, you'll make the connection, but let the words minister to you. I believe yeah. this is an anointed uh, a song right here. So go ahead. Jim. Okay, <laughs> bear with me. Yeah, the process, the thought, the thought, and or prayer process that went into writing this song is, you can feel it. It, it, it makes it'll put a lump in your throat trying to do it. So. <laughs> time that you gave me did I give all I could live did I love all I could love did I give all I could give was my faith in your grace strong enough to save me did I do all 
time that you gave me I'll never know till it's over I'll on your shoulder my straight from the path might have gone Did I do all I could do in the time that you gave me? In the time that you gave me, did I face the devil down? Did I make him turn away when I held my ground? If today I do all I could do in the time that you gave me. How will I know until it's over? But I will fly on your shoulder. I might have strayed from the path. Might have gone a little crazy. But did I do all I could do in the time that you gave me? When the sands in the glass run out, it won't even face me. <laughs> if I did all I God-given song when you hear one. You can tell a song that was not written to bring somebody financial success. You just can't. I thank God for the ones that speak to you like That's that. That's right. Amen. Now, I need to add this. Thank God for the blood. Yes. Mm. Because surely... If there were a thousand people in here today, there wouldn't be one out of the thousand that wouldn't sit there knowing that I haven't done everything I could do with the time that he's mm -hmm. given me. So thank God for the blood. And what I mean by that is, when you ask God's forgiveness, see, that's what these songs like this are meant to do. And that's what messages are supposed to do and words from God in the service. They're not supposed to... Yeah, come on. <clears throat> we have one of those, and he's got a name, and it's Lucifer. Yeah. Right. Yes. The this word is supposed Thank to... Now, it will cut. Yeah, sure But it's supposed to, when the cutting's over, it's supposed to be for our good. It's supposed to strengthen us, encourage us, embolden yeah. us, and say, Thank you that you got my vision cleared, and I can see clearly now, and I'm back on the straight and narrow, heading the way I'm supposed to go. That's what it's supposed to do. Yes. 
So a song like that, that's what its intention is. It's not supposed to, when we realize we ain't done everything we can do with the time that he gave us, we're, we're not supposed to park there. Right. And just say, ha, oh, forget it then. No. Thank God for a song like that that tells it a truth. Yes. There's a truth in that song. And thank God for that. And thank God that we have things like that that can make us say, whoa, okay, that brings me back to reality. And thank God that we can say, Lord, forgive me. Yes. And know that when we do, that blood that covered us in baptism washes everything from this point backward. Mm -hmm. What that means? It means it covers all the time that he's already given me. Yes. Amen. And if your time that he's already given you is covered by the blood, it don't get no better than that. Right. right. And then we say, okay, God, help me to be a better steward with the time that you give me. Because that's what it all boils down to. Not get faithful to rain. That's exactly right. <laughs> Today, this is going to be fun. Yes. Nathan always has fun. I'm trying to learn how to have as much fun in church as Nathan. Because <laughs> we ought to. But today, uh, what I'm going to talk to you about is a God with skin on. To be a bridge. A God with skin on to be a bridge. Um, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 14. Second Samuel 14 and 23. Ancient. Got you today, buddy. Second Samuel, what, sir? Oh, boy. 14 and 23. 14 and 23. Quit messing with me, Nathan. 14 and 23. Yes, sir. A God was skin on to be a bridge. <clears throat> Everybody's got it. Can you say, I got it? Got it. Got it. Got it. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. The king said, David, Absalom's father, let him turn to his own house and let him not see my face. You see, it's a whole lot harsher verse when you realize that that king is this guy's dad. If you just read it, 2 Samuel 14 and 23, and just read, Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem, and the king said, then it's like, well, okay, king just told him go home and he can't see the king but when you realize that the king is David Absalom's father it's a little bit harsher and I learned something you know I'm everybody in here now has that power bible study thing that's awesome Lord has got it downloaded now and I, I learned something on that uh, interlinear that the name Absalom is is uh Ab Shalom and it means father of peace so it's kind of ironic that in a situation where Absalom's own father is telling him, get out of here, I don't even want to see your face, that his name means father of peace. So Absalom returned to his own house and saw not the king's face. But in all Israel, there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. Now I just want to make a side note there and, and say, you know, 
Beauty's cool, but I mean, if that's the only thing that you're known for, that's pretty. From the sole of his feet, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. What? Dude never had a zit. <laughs> he ain't got a pock mark. He ain't got a brown mark. He ain't got a. He ain't got a blemish. This dude was as perfect as Adam. He didn't need no filters on Instagram. This dude had them built in. And when he pulled his head, that don't mean he took a survey. He cut it, <laughs> cut his hair. For it was at every year's end that he pulled it because the hair was very heavy on him. Therefore, he pulled it. He cut his hair because it got heavy. Must have been really pretty. Absalom had a vanity issue. He wouldn't have cut his hair if it hadn't got so heavy. Because Absalom had beautiful hair. He didn't have any blemishes. That includes his hair. He weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels after the king's weight. It works out about 12 pounds of hair. Gosh. Duke could grow 12 pounds of hair in a year. A lot of women are hating on him right That's now. That's not fair. Right? <laughs> and then to Absalom, there were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of a fair countenance. I mean, she was beautiful too. Now, he named his daughter Tamar after his sister, Tamar. I have a sister that named, a brother that named his son after one of our sisters. Needless to say, that nephew of mine's tough. His name's Adrian. You learned how to box early. You're a boy named Adrian, you're going to be tough. <laughs> so Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem. And look at this. This is his last verse. He saw not king's face. Huh. See, he gives David a back door again. Saw not his father's face. Now I need to give you a little more background in that. It had already been three years since he had seen him. He'd been in Jeshur for three years and then he comes back home and doesn't get to see his own daddy the king and then his daddy doesn't see him for two more years. Five years. Daddy says, I don't even want to see you, boy. Let's mm. just leave things like they are. Ouch. I want to preach today God with skin on bridge between man and God. <clears throat> uh, people who have never picked up a Bible in their lives have heard of David. Oh yeah. David the giant killer. David the shepherd boy turned king. David the psalmist. The one the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. Now we know already if David was a man banished his son for five years and not even care to see his face that being somebody after God's own heart don't mean you have a heart just like God's. It means you're somebody that every time you fall down, you get up and you go back after God's heart again. That's what it means. Yeah. David was a man that was energetic in his love for God. He had zeal. He had charisma. The appeal that draws other people to a person as a leader. David was a man who had goals and dreams. When he slew Goliath, all you ever hear about is I fought him because in David's word... Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the army of the living God? But when you read the story and look a little bit closer, you'll see that he didn't actually fight Goliath until after he asked and was told what the reward would be. And when David found out that whoever killed the giant would receive part of the king's kingdom, marry one of the king's daughters, and his parents would never pay taxes again, David was in. <laughs> David was a man who was always busy always in pursuit of accomplishing his goals and fulfilling his dreams. He was busy in his conflict with Saul, busy in his battles, busy in his duties as king of Israel. But the point I want to make this morning is that while David was busy slaying giants, 
struggling with Saul, leading troops in battle, gathering wealth and making a name for himself, there were children growing up in David's home. While there's a long list of amazing achievements next to David's name in the Bible that nobody else has, I don't find one single time, not one single story, not even one single verse showing David the giant killer involved in the greatest responsibility of all, and that is the raising and equipping of children. When we hear David's name, we think of one of the greatest heroes of faith. And though it seems that David found success in everything he put his hand to, it seems that David achieved every goal and dream he ever had. When it comes to that most important responsibility of all, his children, David never did put his hand to it. David was M-I-A, missing in action. David didn't realize. Now, now I'm ruining a real good Father's Day message right here, so I'm just telling you. <laughs> David didn't realize that the greatest responsibility he had wasn't fulfilling his obligation to his country. It wasn't walking in the anointing God had given him. It wasn't answering the call of God in his life. It wasn't putting a roof over his family's head and even providing for them. It was in aiming the arrows of his quiver, helping his children to find themselves in the kingdom of God. Actually, David seemed to be absent from having an active role in his children's lives at all. To open the Bible and do a serious study of David's life is to be shocked by what you find concerning his children. You ready for this? TMZ couldn't come up with anything worse than this. <laughs> After his adultery with Bathsheba and his murder of her husband Uriah, the prophet Nathan comes to David, you have a tough, powerful, brave namesake there, young man. Can you imagine being the preacher of the king and having to come tell him that you murdered and you committed adultery and you're in trouble? That took guts. But one example of David having a heart after God's own heart was that later on David named one of his sons Nathan. So David might not have felt happy at the time when he got called out for his hidden sin by that preacher. But later on, David came to his senses and said, Thank God I got a preacher that loves me enough to tell me the truth when I'm going astray. That was for free. Prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him a story of a rich man with many sheep who had visitors come. And instead of giving up one of this rich man's many sheep, he takes a poor man's sheep, the poor man's only sheep. David was quick to pass judgment. Boy, we are when it's on others. It's just human nature. He's quick to pass judgment. And he says that not only should the offender die, but before he dies, he really should pay four times over for his offense. At which time Nathan the prophet told him, you are the man. And you wondered where you the man came from. Mm. God, being merciful, doesn't kill David, but David does wind up paying four times over for his offense. Building foundation here this morning. First, David and Bathsheba's newborn baby dies. One. Then his son Amnon traps and rapes his half-sister, David's daughter Tamar. Two. Tamar suffers severe depression 
losing any sense of self-value, living in constant shame and self-disgust, blaming herself for her brother's crime against her. David's son Absalom, Tamar's full brother, kills Amnon, his half-brother, free, in revenge for the rape of his sister Tamar. And this same Absalom, after being shunned by his father David, not seeing him for five years, eventually mounts a rebellion against him, only to be killed in battle by David's own general. Four, we need to be real careful when we open our mouth to say what somebody deserves. Because we might find ourselves standing in that place of judgment one day. And I believe this story might be what prompted Jesus to say, be careful with what judgment you judge. Because with whatever judgment you judge, is a judgment you're going to be judged by. This story of David is a good example. Huh. You might say Absalom got what he deserved. He killed his half-brother and he, he, he shamed the king and, and he committed murder. But I say he never did get what he deserved because what he deserved was a father who was active in his life. David wasn't active in any of his children's lives. When Amnon raped his sister Tamar, David did nothing. When Absalom killed Amnon, Absalom escaped to a city called Geshur. And though David didn't send anyone after him to bring him back to answer for his crimes, he left his son Absalom there for three years. Then the only reason he even sent word for him to come back home was because General Joab tricked him. And then when he finally does send word that his son can come back home, he tells him he can come back home to Jerusalem, but to go to his own house that David didn't even want to see his face. David was a busy man. He had irons in the fire, people to see, places to go, business to take care of. He was building a name, but he was losing a son. For two more years, right in the middle of the same city his daddy lived in, in the same city named after his daddy, the city of David, Absalom never saw his daddy. He wouldn't have seen him at all if he hadn't taken matters in his own hand and burned down General Oab Joab's field to get him to go tell David that his son wanted to see him. Hey, Dad, you might be king of Israel, but you're my dad, and I need you right now. Absalom had kids. Absalom's father wasn't there. All the ups and downs of life, the pressures of life, added up to the point where Absalom couldn't take it anymore. Whatever he had to do to get attention, he needed a father. I submit to you this morning that a good majority of the over-the-top behavior that we see in our society today is a direct result of people growing up without a father in their lives. And whether they're aware of it or not, their escalation in lawlessness and addiction and violence and overdoses are cries for a father figure in their lives. Now, we might not be able to be that father figure. Because many of the people that we come in contact with will be adults our age or older. And then there's a fact that many here at the bridge are women. But the good news is we are a spirit-filled 
church. Mm -hmm. Our prayers, spirit-filled. Our worship, spirit-filled. And I give everything I know to give to try to ensure that the preaching is and the spirit that fills this church. It ain't a dove floating somewhere around the throne. It ain't the third head on a three-headed God. Yeah. The spirit that fills this church is the spirit of the Father. You, and we Jesus. live in a world yeah. that whether it knows it or not is crying out for the Father. So while we might not be able to be that father figure, we can be the people that bridge the gap between where they are and where the good, good father yeah. is. Now you might not, you might have a hard time believing this, but when Absalom fled from his father and left <clears throat> Jerusalem, out of all the cities that a prince of the kingdom of Israel could have chosen to go to, he chose to go to Geshur. The reason this is significant is because when you use that fancy interlinear word study app on that Bible study we've all got now, you'll see that the name of the city Geshur means to join, to bridge. Whether Absalom made a conscious decision to flee to a city that meant to join, to bridge, in the hopes that his father would join him there, that his father would bridge the gap between where he was and where his son was, his father never did. He just left him there, separated from his father, with nobody to bridge the gap. I say to you this morning, there are multitudes of men, women, and children in our world this morning living lives separated from their father and have never had anybody to bridge the gap between where they are and where he is. Every person on the planet today was created with a longing inside of them and their soul for the father to join them in their lives. But they need somebody to bridge the gap between them. They need somebody to be the bridge between where they are and where God is. They don't need another flat monotone Bible story. They don't need another accept Him as your Savior. They don't need another powerless, lifeless, changeless religion. Yeah. They need the Spirit of the Father. Yes. They need the power of the Father. They need somebody yes. to join them right in the middle of their mess, lay their lives down, and be the bridge yes. that will cover the gap between their mess and the power of God that can change their mess. Come on, what they need this morning is God with skin on. Yes. I'm here today to tell you that God didn't just put skin on once. <laughs> he puts it on every time He fills somebody with the Holy Ghost. Mm. Yes. And that means the day you got the Holy Ghost... And the day you're going to get the Holy, mm. Holy Ghost, Lori Russell, and I'm speaking that because yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. The day you get or got the Holy Ghost, God puts your skin on. And this world needs a bridge. It needs yes. a God with skin on. Yes. And that is us. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> God... With skin on. Bible says what? Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? And yeah. you are His and not your own? 
What? Know you not that the Spirit of God dwelleth inside you? God put your skin on. That's why that song, it's some years old now, I don't know how old, but there's a song that said, uh, uh, if we are the body, why aren't our arms reaching? Why aren't our legs going? Why aren't our mouths speaking if we are the body? And I got news for you. We are the body. We're the body collectively when we come together like this. But we're the body individually. When you go into your place of work or into your neighborhood or over your family that don't know God, you are God with skin on to them. God walks in your feet. He wants to use your hands. He wants to use your mouth. And the reason God puts skin on is so we can be a bridge. Thank you, Jesus. And that bridge spans the gap between where people are in the middle of their mess and where God is. One of the things that has been taught for generations in the apostolic church that is a devil's doctrine, the Holy Ghost has been taught in the principle that it is an isolator. Now you'll find most Holy Ghost filled people, they don't have any sinner friends. They don't go anywhere where sinners are. Everybody they hang around is saved already. When they fellowship, it's with the people that are saved already. And they wonder why they have 25 people for 25 years. There's people that have been in apostolic churches for 30 years and never won one single soul. The Holy Ghost is not an isolator. Yeah, we're in this world and we're not of it. We're not supposed to be a part of evil things, but the reason we're in this world is so we can reach this world. The reason we're not of this world is because the Holy Ghost lives inside of us and we're supposed to be able to give that thing that is not of this world to somebody that's still in this world. The Holy Ghost is not an isolator. It is an insulator. Oh, yes. You know what that means? That means I can have a sinner buddy. And I'm not going to worry that he's going to rub off on me. Only thing i got to worry about is whether or not he's going to want to be my buddy anymore. Because all I ever want to talk about is the Holy Ghost. Or what God is doing in my life. The Holy Ghost is an insulator. It will protect us. Thank you, Jesus. That's why the scripture uses the word says we are sealed by the Spirit. Huh. That's cool. That means one, God has put a seal on us when He gives us a spirit. His seal. His royal seal that says that's one of mine. And the Bible refers to that as an earnest. When you buy a house and you're serious about buying that house and everybody here just about has bought one now, you put down what's referred to as earnest money. That means I'm not just talking about that house being mine. I'm serious about it. I'm going to put some earnest on that house. I'm going to be back to get it. And when God gives the Holy Ghost, He's saying I'm serious about that house. I'm going to buy that house. already paid for that house. And I'm going to be back to get it. Yes. But he doesn't expect us to sit around like I got the Holy Ghost and I'm just waiting for Jesus to come. Mm-hmm. He expects us to take that Holy Ghost everywhere we go. Yes. If you don't have any sinners in your life, you need to find you some. Well, when you ever heard that over pulpit, I guess that's first, ain't it? No wonder I got such a good name in Kingsport. <laughs> Everybody go out and make some sinner friends. You heard me right. 
You hear me? Go out and make friends with somebody that don't know God at all. Go out and make friends with somebody that don't want nothing to do with God. Yeah. I remember when I first got in this thing, man, I didn't have enough sense to shut up. I worked at this one place, and the church had what they called Friend Day. Remember Friend Day? No. Oh. The 1994. Mm -hmm. I remember Friend Day. It was 1994. And they said, man, we're going to hand out all these prizes. Whoever brings the most friends in. I thought, I got that licked. That ain't no problem. And I was working at this place, second shift, and I went through that plant, and I asked everybody I'd come in contact with. And I didn't ask them, hey, will you come to church and get saved? I said, hey, man, they're doing a Friend Day contest at church, and if I win, I get some prizes. Will you come? <laughs> and they said, yeah. Yeah, I thought, I don't care what I, how I get them there. I just got to get them there. Once I get them there, my job's done. Right. Huh? That's why whole church is supposed to be an ambush. Yeah. We ain't got to worry about it. We just get them here. Let God do yeah, the rest. God on. will do the rest. Yes, he will. You know, don't feel like you got to explain to somebody the 1,900 different ways that your church is different from all the others. Don't tell them nothing. Just invite them. Mm -hmm. Once they come in, we worship like we're supposed to. The preacher preaches like he's yeah. supposed to. God's going to move like he's supposed to. And God will get a hold of them. So I went through that whole plan. And I asked everybody on the second shift. They come and to friend day, so I can win a prize. And then I seen this dude back his car up in there. And there was a bunch of welders. He's welding on his, his mufflers. And he had long hair. And he had a great big old pot sticker about this big in his back window. And I, I had asked everybody but him. Todd living good. Thank you very much. I'm so glad Key's with me. I go someplace to tell stories. Everybody's thinking I'm preaching evangelistically. Woo! You know, it's glad to have somebody there say, yep, that's true. And, and I passed by his car one time and passed by it again. Went to pass by it third time. I was like, fine. And I went over. They said, hey, dude. I thought this was going to go well. He's welding on his car. And I'm, you know, he's only got 30 minute lunch. Hey, hey. Dude comes under there. Yeah, what? I said, hey, man, we're doing friend day at church. Would you like to come to church? He goes, I'd love to come. That's awesome. Where is it? I'm staying here like. <laughs> <laughs> my whole mind went blank. I couldn't even think of the address of my own church. Because in my mind, the dude with the pot sticker on the back windshield of his car with the long hair was not going to say, yeah, man, it'll be awesome. Where's it at? Yeah. And that's when I learned. Next time, Bob. That I'm not the one that's got enough sense to make the call on whose heart has been sensitized to God. Because a lot of time it'll be the one that's putting the most effort into looking like he cares the least about God. I'll tell you, Todd Livingood came. Two of his brothers came. His wife came. We baptized all of them. Todd got the Holy Ghost. We put one of his brothers in the water. It's the first time I almost got drowned baptizing somebody. Because when he went in the water, I don't know if he thought he was doing laundry or what. The Holy Ghost hit that boy in the water. He started shaking like this. He's a big old boy. I was literally in a man. Now, if you can believe I could be any littler, I come over the top and almost went down in the water with him. The man... Talked in tongues in the water before he ever come out of it. He's bubbling in tongues. Oh, mm. through the one man that the Holy Ghost hadn't made me feel bad about it on my third pass by, I never would have even asked. Ooh, this Holy Ghost we got, mm. it isn't. So we live lives and stay away from everybody that's living in sin. Man, it's a walking right up in the middle of that mess. We don't become a part of the mess 
Right. We don't uh, participate in the mess to further the mess. We participate in it because we know the one that can straighten out all that mess. Yes. And when they hear us talking about some of the messes God straightened out for us, they'll say, wow, I never would have guessed it was like that for you before, yeah. God. Yeah. I would have never guessed you lived like that. I would have never guessed you were a bootlegger preacher. That's crazy. Maybe God can do it for me. Mm. So, I'm going to say it again. Go get some sinner friends. Now, before you think I'm blaspheming or telling you that you are God, let me share an illustration I heard decades ago that convicted me then and still convicts me now. For me to remember something for 30 years, it's, it's got to be. There was a little boy trying to go to sleep in his bedroom down the hall from his mom and his dad. There was a thunderstorm that just kept getting worse and worse. Lightning flashed, thunder rolled, until finally the little boy couldn't take it anymore. And he cries out to his father down the hall, Father, I'm scared. All right, Father, had just barely fallen asleep after putting in a long, hard day working to make a living for that boy, and he was exhausted. So that father, from the bed, yells back down the hallway to his son, says, Son, it's going to be all right. God loves you. He'll take care of you. He's quiet for a minute. Thunder rolled, lightning flashed one more time, got quiet again, and the boy called out back to his daddy down the hallway, Daddy, I know God loves me, but right now I need a God with skin on. Mm. Now we know we live in a world that's in the middle of one of the worst storms that we have ever been in. The thunder's rolling, the lightning's crashing, People are tired to turn into elected officials or promise to help them if they voted them in office because not only do they not lead them out of the mess, they usually make it worse. And when it comes to God, people are tired to turn into churches full of hollow tradition. Yeah. They're tired of an empty Christianity yes. with no yes. life-changing power. They're yeah. out in the world smothering under the weight of evil and depression. And when they do turn to the church, they want the church to be real. They need more than it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. They need more than just keep praying about it. Yeah. They need more than Jesus loves you. Yeah. They need somebody with skin yeah. on to love them. They they need God with skin on to be a bridge between where they are and where God is. They need us. They don't need another Bible story and a pat on the back. They need God with skin on to be a bridge. They don't need us to profess the name of Jesus and then hear us cussing and fussing. They need God with skin on to be a bridge. They need us to lay our lives down to be a bridge. When Jesus hung on that cross. He had one arm out to the left and one out to his right. His left arm reached all the way back to the Garden of Eden, brought all the sin that mankind had committed down through the centuries and brought it all to his cross. If he had not done that, the thief on the cross would have been with Jesus in paradise that day, would not be with him in heaven after that. Right. Blood had to be shed. While his right arm 
reached all the way up into the future, reaching all the way up to this day we're in right now, and it didn't stop there. His right arm reached all the way up until the very last day yeah. this world is going to exist. And he grabbed the full weight of the sin of all of mankind. And he pulled it all the way to the cross he was hanging on. And that's when the Bible says in Matthew 27 and 45, darkness covered the land from the sixth hour until the ninth. That's from noon until three o'clock in the afternoon. The reason darkness covered the land is because the spirit of a holy God will not stay in the presence of sin. That's when for the first time in his entire 33 and a half years, the man Jesus felt the absence of God the Father. That's why at the end of those three hours, the man Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He wasn't forsaken, but he sure felt like it. The only man in the history of mankind that had never sinned was now feeling every sin, every human in the entire history, past and present and future, had sinned and would ever sin. The reason Jesus felt all that was because he had become the bridge between a holy God and a sinful man. And I'm here today to tell you that when you give your life to become a bridge between God and the lost, there will be times when you will feel the full weight of their sin. But if you stick with it, if you stick with them while they make their way to God, that will stop when they get to God. That's why the Bible says when that three hours of darkness was over, Jesus cried one final time and said, It is finished. You know what happened? When God was skin on, became the bridge between God and man, and it was finished. When it was finished, the veil in the temple that separated man from the mercy seat, torn in two. And now the lost didn't need anybody else to go to God for them. Anybody that wanted to get to oh, God you, could Jesus. make their yes. way to the mercy seat yes. for oh, themselves. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The word for us today if we are willing to be God with skin on to somebody and dedicate our lives to being the bridge between them and God, the veils over their eyes and over their heart that keep them from seeing God clearly will be removed. They won't need us to go to God for them forever. They'll be able to make their own way to the mercy seat for themselves. And church, when that happens, <laughs> they will become God with skin on yes, to somebody yes, else. Yes, yes. Somebody in your life was God with skin on to you. Yes. And when you come to God and that God comes to live inside of us, it is our turn and our duty to become God yes. with skin on yes. to somebody else. Look yeah. at Jesus. To be a bridge. Finally, Matthew 57 and 23 says, 
when God was skin on became the bridge between God and man, huh, graves opened up mm -hmm. and many dead came to life. Yep. How'd you like to be in Jerusalem then? <laughs> dead people coming out of the grave just walking through town. Yep. Like one of them dumb Netflix movies where dead people suddenly reappear again and people <laughs> have been living their lives without them. Guess what, Netflix? We done seen that oh, one. It yeah. really did happen. The graves that hold their peace, the graves that hold their love, their marriages, their children will open and there will be life. Mm. So I'm issuing a challenge today. And the challenge is for us. It ain't for you, it's for us. <laughs> The challenge today is for us to determine to be God with skin on to somebody. You know what the first God with skin on did? They brought an adulteress to him, caught in the act. It was obvious he committed a sin. It was obvious he deserved judgment. It was obvious he deserved punishment. But the first God with skin on didn't hand out any of that. He just looked around at all the rest of them ready to throw stones. Boy, a lot ain't changed, has it? Mm -mm. Ready to throw stones and said, all right then, big boy. Whichever one of y'all ain't ever had a sin, you just go right ahead and toss the first stone. I'll wait. Yeah, yeah. And the Bible says, from the oldest to the youngest. Thank God there's some elders with some sins. May get caught up in some stupidity every now and then, but thank God for some elders and some sins. From the oldest to the youngest said, you know what? I can't toss it. That's stuff I need to clean up my own house. When everybody left, the Bible says it was just Jesus and her <coughs> in the midst. Everybody's gone. In the midst of what? Two things. One, they were in the midst of all them Stones. Mm. Stones of judgment. <laughs> stones of sentencing. Stones of death. Yeah. Stones of this is what you deserve. Lord. In the midst of all them stones, and wasn't nobody around to throw no more. <laughs> and the next thing they were in the midst of was a God with skin on. Mm -hmm. They said, hey, where'd all them accusers go? Mm. Ain't there anybody left to condemn you? Mm. No man, Lord. They're gone. And the first God with skin on says, Here's who I condemn you. Huh. But then he told her the truth. Go. Don't do that stuff no more. Right. right. So I'm issuing a challenge today. Starting right here. Let's remember that everything we are and everything we're supposed to be boils down in its simplest form just to be God with skin on to yeah. somebody. You know how you can do that? Show mercy to somebody they never got on. Mm. They ain't a lot of that being handed out today. Sure. Be merciful to somebody. Be merciful to somebody who does something to you. That'll really flow your mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
And then be honest with them. Be honest with them. Just say, hey, man, I'm going to help you out of this mess. But when you get out of this mess, don't be making this mess no more. Yeah. Today, let's make up our mind to be God with skin on to somebody and be the bridge between where they are and where the good, good father is. Now, I'm not going to give you all puppies and flowers and warm goosebumps about this. When you're a bridge, that means, you know, bridges get drove on, walked on, stepped on. Bridge is something that's laid down to make up the gap. Woo! Sounds like Bible to me. God said one time I looked over the whole nation and I couldn't believe I couldn't find one man, just one. Make up the gap. Stand in the gap for the whole nation. There wasn't one person to stand in the gap. And that gap was between where that sinful nation was and where God was. And if one person had, a, had a made up that gap, mercy would have been extended again. If you make up the gap in somebody's life, mercy will be extended to them. And I'm here today to tell you, it's awesome to be used in the preaching. It's awesome to be used in the singing and the playing. It's awesome to be used in every way there is to be used in the church service. But there ain't nothing more awesome than when somebody says, You got that baptismal yet, dude, or what? <laughs> well, I was good. Well, where are you getting at? Well, I was good. Where? Okay. Well, I'm just getting Travis's truck. We're doing this. Huh? That's better than any goosebump I've ever felt in my whole life Amen. just standing in the pulpit. Amen. Yep. And every one of you, whether you know it or not, have been a bridge for me and this lady right here. So whether you know that or not, you've already been used as a bridge. Because, you know, we, we talk about us, you know, y'all being healed and things you've been through and stuff, but but you all have been used for our healing. Yeah. And it's because you've laid yourselves down and you've made up that gap between us and, and, and where we felt God was with us while putting ourselves out there again. You've already done that whether you know it or not. So you see how natural it is to do such a thing? That's a lot easier to do it with somebody that's loving you back. It's a lot easier to do with somebody that you know is trying to bring a positive influence in your life. But what I'm asking you today is to lay yourself down for somebody that ain't a positive influence. And to lay yourself down for them because you are the positive influence now. And make up that gap between where they are and where God is. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Just lay yourself down for somebody who don't care about you. That's why he's such an awesome God. That's exactly what he did. Oh. I'm going to put the final, well, I was going to say a nail in the coffin, we tried to bury it. Oh. I'm going to pull the final nail out of the coffin. Hey, I got to coin that one. I'm going to that one. That's the bond likes it. The last nail out of the coffin today is... 
that at the very least we profess to be Christian. And that word Christian means Christ-like. This Christ that we're trying to be like came into Jerusalem one day and they wouldn't even let the, the beast he was riding on let its hooves touch the ground. They threw palm leaves out. Hosanna! King! Hosanna! And just a short time later, it was the same mob that's now spitting in his face and yelling at the top of their lungs, crucify him! And this Jesus, we're trying, all of us are trying to be like, when he finally got to the cross, looked down at the soldiers that had been beaten on him, had tortured him, put a crown of thorns in his head, jabbed it in his head, put a bag over his head, beaten on him, and saying, prophesy, prophet. Who just busted you in your nose? Who just knocked your teeth down your throat? Tell me who that was. They just nailed him on a tree naked. He didn't have that Tarzan cloth like the crucifixes show. They humiliated him as bad as they could. He was naked in front of his own creation. And he looks down on those same soldiers and now, probably blood still on their clothes, his blood. Looks down at them and they're gambling. And the prize? close and this Christ Father forgive them and then he said why they don't know what they're doing they don't understand we need to be in people's lives that don't know why they're acting the way they're acting. And we got to find some... Look, I don't say this like it's easy, man. It ain't. But we got to have somebody in our lives. We might be the only one saying, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Christian. So I'm going to ask you today, if you want to make this commitment, what this commitment is, is to try. That's what it is, is to try. Because you ain't going to get it right all the time. And sometimes people start walking on you, you're going to get up, you're going to shove them off you. I can't take it no more. There's going to be times where you don't follow through. But there's going to be other times where guys are going to say, okay, enough, don't let them walk on you no more. They're not coming any closer to me. We'll teach on that later. But today, if it's your desire, because I'm not going to ask you if it's your desire to be God with skin on. You already are. The question is, do you want to be God with skin on for somebody else, or do you want to live the rest of your life just being God with skin on to yourself? And if you want to be a bridge in somebody's life between where they are and where God is. Because here's the last thing I'm going to say. If you do, God will move all this stuff around in their life, move all these pieces on this chessboard to get you right in the middle of somebody's life that's been praying at night and saying, God, if anybody knows you for real, send them to me. And it'll be that dude with a pot leaf on the back of his car and a long string of hair that you pass up three times. 
So I'm asking you today, if you want to be God with skin on to somebody else, and you want to lay your life down to be a bridge for somebody else, I'm going to ask you to come up here, and I'm going to ask you to let God know. And if you will, God will make appointments for you. You'll be in a laundromat. They saw them coming. Yeah. Coming. So we're going to pray right now. You pray however you like and however you do. But just let God know what it is you want to be. Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that we got a God that paved the way. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God that doesn't require anything of us that you haven't done already, God. I thank you, Father, that the Word says it, that you looked and there was nobody to stand in the gap, and you said, my own right arm will bring salvation. I will come myself. And I'm glad you came yourself, Father. I'm glad you made up that gap between mankind and you. And I thank you, Lord, when you did, you didn't come to sit in a palace. You didn't come to sit in a throne. And it would have only been fair. It would have only been right. But that's not how you came. You came as a lowly servant. You came meek and mild. You came in a way that you would lay your life down, Father. And you would be that bridge. You were already God was skin on. But we needed a bridge to get to where from where we were to where where you are and I thank you Lord that you became that bridge and then I thank you Father that you have filled millions and millions of people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost since then that you poured out your spirit to whosoever will and I thank you for that God I thank you Lord for the people you filled with the Holy Ghost that was God with skin on for us I thank you Lord for the people that prayed with us at the altar I thank you for the preachers that preach the word and truth and love. I thank you, Father, for the day you filled us with the Holy Ghost. And today, God, we want to be that God with skin on to somebody else, Father. There's a world around us that needs to know that you do live inside of people today, that you are walking among them, and you're walking among them in us, God. And I pray today, Father God, that we all, that we all would be God with skin on to somebody else. Lord, send somebody in our lives, God. Lord, if there's somebody in our lives already that's a sinner, that don't know who you are, somebody that's got a great wide gap between the life they're living and the life you have for them, we ask you, God, Lord, to teach us, show us how to be that bridge, God. We will pray for them and we'll stand in that cap but we're not just going to stand there in prayer we're going to stand there indeed we're going to try to love them in God we're going to try to be friends to the unfriendly we're going to try to love the unlovely we're going to reach for the ones God that today don't know who you are and they don't know where you are
are. So I plead the blood of Jesus right now. I plead it over the Russell family. I plead it over the Rodriguez family. I plead it over the Wells family. I plead it over the Rapier family. And I ask you, God, to give us divine appointments. Lord, if it's on the job, if it's in the laundromat, if it's in the supermarket, if it's in the neighborhood, we'll be ready, God. We'll have our eyes open, God. We will have prayed that morning before we go out into the day and we'll look for that appointment. But Father, we ask you, Lord, to cause our paths to cross with somebody that's praying even right now, asking if you're real and saying if you are, send somebody to them. Here we are, God. Send us, Lord. Send us to somebody that nobody else loves. Send us to somebody that everybody's given up on, God. And Lord, we will love them. We will be God with skin onto them. And we will lay our lives down, God, and be a bridge between where they are and where you are, Father. Lord, teach us, God. Teach us, God. Lord, help us, Father, just to let the nature of the Father, let it be in our voice when we speak to somebody. Let the love of the Father be in our eyes when we look at somebody. And Lord, when they see us, God, let them see no stones in their hand, Father. Oh, God, but let them find us standing there in the midst with them, in the midst of mercy, God. In the midst of a judgment that doesn't have to come, God. Lord, I plead the blood today, Jesus. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for every member of this church family today. And I thank you, Lord, for the way you love us and the way we all love you. And I thank you, Father, for every person you called here first. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, I thank you for the examples that are going to be here for the ones that come in next. I thank you, Father, when they come in here, God, they're going to find love. They're going to find mercy. They're going to find hope. They're going to find confidence, God. They're going to find a belief in them, Father. Lord, I love you today. I worship you today, y'all. Bless your name. I feel like that there's been some, some faces and some names that have come to you. If this is true, I would encourage you. I, I'm going to say this for, for Jimmy's benefit. If the bridge has been burnt already, I would encourage you to reach out and Try to be that bridge that would replace the one that's burned. Reach out one more time. If God put them on your mind, you heard their name or saw their face, I would suggest that there's a reason for that. Reach out to them one time and see what God will do. Even if all it is is to reach out and say, hey, Bothers me the way things ended, the way things are. I just want you to know we might not ever be best pals. We might not ever be fishing buddies, but I want you to know I love you and I hope for the best for you. And if you ever need me, I'll be here for you to turn to. 
Lord, I thank you, Father, for your word today. Glory, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, first of all, that, that your word doesn't just show the, the beautiful side of all the people in there, God, but it shows the human side. I thank you, Lord, it don't just show people's successes and their victories, but it, it shows their failures and their shortcomings. I thank you for that, God, because it lets me know that I can make it too. And I thank you, Father, that we can learn from it. And I pray today, Lord, that you would, that you would use us, God, just to be a friend to somebody that needs one. <laughs> oh, what a thing it would be, God, to be thought of like you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I thank you that you are. I pray, God, your blessings upon your people this week. Go with the Russell family, the Rodriguez family, Wells family, Father. Go with them all week long. Open doors you want open. Close doors you want shut, Father. I ask you, Lord, to meet every need. And I trust you, Father, to set up an appointment. I ask you to do all these things for your glory. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. All right, God bless you. We love you. Thank you for the way you received the word. God's got an appointment for you. Amen.